Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. It's a little stuffy for... What was that? Yeah, it's a little stuffy. Um, hmm. So we could crack a couple of windows. First, I just want to say um, how it's fun for me to to be part of Evelyn's uh, movement in the in the afternoon. I know for some people, uh, you know, understandably, just want to keep it with their quiet and the movement and music doesn't work. But for others, um, it's so helpful and important to remember being in your body and enjoying it and enjoying movement and uh, feeling alive and uh, letting the kid come out of you. There's that line I love from Jesus. Uh, He says, uh, except you be like children, you will not know the kingdom of heaven. And uh, it's a lot, what we're, we're doing here is is returning to innocence, that purity of heart that we came into this world with, like that Chloe Thomas I showed you the other day, and at the same time, um, growing in deep wisdom and um, and love and compassion, um, along with that sense of wonder and innocence. So I think they they work together really well and uh, I I just really appreciate what you bring to the retreat with that spirit. So uh, this afternoon I want to share with you two other, two of the wholesome states or wholesome practices that um, of the ten that I picked in this awakening joy approach um, that are essential and uh, perhaps not so um, easily uh, connected with joy. Uh, And that is um, opening to the suffering in our lives as a path to joy and um, connecting with integrity uh, as a path to joy. And both of these will have elements of forgiveness in them. Forgiveness is actually a theme that that runs through about four or so of the 
the different states. Um, because as long as the heart is contracted either in response to external suffering and life that happens, uh, whether it's losing a loved one or having a diagnosis or any kind of the myriad kinds of suffering there are in this world, or internal suffering, um, whether it's not feeling that we're good enough and having that uh, negative way that we hold ourselves or holding on to uh, guilt uh, about past actions, uh, the heart is contracted and uh, it's not as so accessible to feel aliveness and joy. So um, we'll be getting into some um, some stuff that uh, is essential both for Buddhist practice and also in the idea of awakening joy in our lives. <clears throat> now, the Buddha, as I said the other day, he said, I teach about suffering and the end of suffering. And the more we're willing to open up to our pain and sorrow and the inevitable um, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, suffering that comes in life, uh, the more we're able to access all the, the love and the wisdom and the compassion uh, and the joy that's inside. But if we pr are protecting ourselves in that way uh, from the dukkha, from the suffering, then we can't really access that joy. So that means being willing to open up to the whole show. That's one difference between this and uh, just a positive affirmation and putting a smile on your face and saying, oh yes, I, I'm a happy person. Uh, as I said the other day, truly happy people are not happy all the time. They open up and grieve their losses fully and um, open up to the pain and sorrow inside. And that is, uh, it, it makes them a deeper human being. Here's from um, Khalil Gibran. He says, your joy is your sorrow unmasked. And the self-same well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to go looking for more sorrow so you can just get more joy. Don't go there. <clears throat> You will get it, your own, your own dose, your own curriculum will be just fine so you don't have to go looking for more trouble. <clears throat> As I said on, uh, in one of the groups on, on one retreat, it was an early retreat of mine, uh, sitting with Joseph and everybody around was going through boxes of tissues and I was just minding my own business and feeling my breath in and out and I 
at some point said, I, I don't know, I think I'm missing something here. You know? <laughs> I wasn't sure I was getting my money's worth. And I said, you know, what should I do? I'm just, just in, out. What's the big deal? They're crying. They're, they're getting, you know, a whole lot of free therapy. And I'm just, you know, hanging up. And uh, he said, don't go look for, looking for trouble. It'll find you sooner or later. And he was right. Uh, because that's part of life. There's a teaching from the Buddha that I love, uh, which... Um, is called, if you want to impress your friends, Transcendental Dependent Arising. You can Google it. There's a great essay from Bhikkhu Bodhi, Transcendental Dependent Arising. And this uh, discourse, the Buddha says, suffering can be the causative factor for faith to arise. Did I mention this here before? No? Okay. Um, and maybe if you're, those who are familiar with the wheel of dependent origination, how we just go around and around in, in samsara and ignorance leads to uh, uh, contact and feeling and craving and, um, and grasping and uh, becoming and then birth, uh, birth, death, and suffering, and that's the wheel of samsara. That you doesn't seem that we're bound to keep on going around and around as long as we're in ignorance. And this list starts with the end, the old age, sickness, and death, conflates them into suffering. And this is how you get off the wheel. He says suffering can be the causative factor for faith. To arise. Faith can be the causative factor for gladness to arise. Gladness can lead to joy, can lead to happiness, contentment, and peace, all the way to the highest stages of awakening. So it starts with suffering. Suffering can lead to faith. I, oh, and I think I asked in one of the groups, and I'll ask the whole group, how many people here have been motivated by suffering or sorrow to look for answers to a deeper meaning in life and led them on their spiritual quest? Look around. That's how it works. So instead of thinking, oh no, this must be some kind of mistake, and if I were running the universe, I'd do a much better job than this. We are shaken out of our complacency by our measure of sorrow. It's part of the deal. It's part of the package. And it shows us that we never had control in the first place. Sorry to tell you the news. But it's so freeing to see, oh, it's not up to me to control my life and make it all just fine. And if I am a really good boy or girl, nothing bad will happen to me. That's not what faith in this, in this teaching is about. Faith is more a sense of the lawful unfolding of life. And when you, have refu when you take refuge in the Dharma, 
you are saying, I open to whatever life is giving me in this moment to help me awaken. And sometimes the people who have gone through the most sorrow and suffering often are the ones with the deepest compassion. So if you're going through a hard time, one way to relate to it is, okay, can I learn to be with this? And a whole other level that might be happening, whether or not you realize it, is this is going to deepen my compassion for the common humanity that we all share. And you are what I sometimes call a bodhisattva in training, where you are learning to use your measure of sorrow to open, as all of those hands were raised, to look for a deeper meaning in life. So this is a key, instead of running away, seeing this is a path to joy. And as he says, suffering can lead to faith, that is looking outside of yourself. Faith can lead to gladness, and gladness can lead to joy. And then even higher than joy, happiness, contentment, peace, and freedom. And when I think of the people who embodied joy most for me, of famous people, two people come to mind. One, what would one person be? Anyone? Oprah. She's pretty neat. Yes. And she's known a lot of sorrow. Perfect. Another example. Who comes to mind else for you? Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. Another incredibly deep, wise, and loving and joyful person. Um, who knew, knows new deep suffering and sorrow? Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl, right in the middle of the most intense horrors, finding meaning in life. And what about who embodies joy for you? The Dalai Lama, who for me really does it. If you've been around him, you've seen he just knows how to laugh. But there he is hearing one after another people's sorrows and enormous suffering that would be just so hard for so many to hear and to bear. And there he is, and I've seen him, if you're fortunate enough to be around the Dalai Lama, this is not unusual, where he can hear somebody's story and be weeping, and then 15 minutes later be giggling and laughing it moves so quickly through him. He's feeling it all and he's right there with them and it doesn't stick. That's an amazing capacity. Anyone else that comes to mind who embodies joy? For me, Desmond Tutu is another one who I just have to think of him and I start smiling. And he was the architect of the truth and reconciliation process of forgiveness and healing from apartheid, hearing one horrible story after another, and somehow he, like the Dalai Lama, just learning to let that be completely felt and digested and then transformed into compassion and even joy. 
This is from um, Sri Aurobindo's partner, the, the mother, Sri Aurobindo and the mother, two very um, inspiring figures in, in Hinduism. And she says, you carry in yourself all the obstacles necessary to make your realization perfect. Always you'll see that within you there is the shadow and the light. If you discover a very black hole, a thick shadow, be sure there is somewhere in you a great light. It is up to you to know how to use the one to realize the other. Mm. So, um, first I want to uh, just have you, oh, and I didn't ask you to uh, bring anything to write, is if, if people need um, need paper, maybe there's some outside, anyone who needs paper or get some. I just uh, invite you, making this relevant for your own experience, oh, just wait a moment. Read the quote again from the mother. You carry in yourself all the obstacles necessary to make your realization perfect. Always you will see that within you there is the shadow and the light. If you discover a very black hole, a thick shadow, be sure there is somewhere in you a great light. It is up to you to know how to use the one to realize the other. So I want you, um, as we uh, go into this, to look back on your life and get in touch with a challenging situation or a period in your life that you got through, maybe not one that you're right in the middle now, but one that was significant. And uh, just bring it to mind for a moment. And remember as you were given this to open to What lessons did you learn going through that challenging period? How did it help you grow and help you become the the person that you are today? And I just invite you to take a few minutes to, to write down for yourself what you learned going through your, uh, as, as it's as St. John of the Cross says, the, the, the dark night of the soul. Mm. 
an essential part of the hero or heroine's journey. Just another few moments and you can keep on writing if you, if you need to. I think it's really helpful to see for yourself how wisdom has grown in you and uh, a deepening heart develops. And whatever you, if you've finished writing or you're writing, just take a look at what you wrote and uh, take in the wisdom that you wrote down on that paper. This was not a Dharma talk that you heard or something you read in a book. It was from the inside, your own unfolding. Okay, and uh, Carrie can uh, just come around and if you, we just hear, uh, you don't have to tell the whole story, just the essence of the lesson that you learned. A um, few, few sharings. So all the way in the back. And there's something also nice about saying it and being witnessed and not only being witnessed but sharing your your um, true wisdom with with everyone as a gift yes uh, in this situation i learned very deeply that this too shall pass okay so being able to be in that big one that's what the buddha said wherever you are keep reflecting on impermanence no matter how difficult it is this will pass and you'll learn and you learn that you'll get through it too. Yeah. I learned that it is okay to choose love and comfort. Mm. That's worth a whole lot of wisdom teachings. It's okay to choose love and comfort and being kind to yourself. Yeah. Thank you. 
right next. I'll get to you soon. I <clears throat> I learned that we can't that to tolerate helplessness, that we can't fix another person. Ah, we can't fix another person. That's a big one. Thank you. There's one there, and then we'll come up to you. I realized again and again and again. Say again. I realized again and again and again that the source of peace, joy, happiness that I've been looking is not outside. Ah, happiness is not outside. Right. But again. it's just how to anchor inside. That's where I am. Mm. Nice to have you come home. Yeah. And uh, here, right up front, right over here. Here, raise your hand so she knows. Yeah. I learned not to take anything in life for granted. Not to take anything in life for granted. Big one. We could go on and on. Oh, one, one last one. Okay. You want to say? Uh, right next to your, your mouth. I learned to let go of any residual meditator's arrogance and not to project it onto other people specifically when it comes to dealing with chronic, unabating, um, almost unbearable physical suffering. Mm -hmm. Great. I think we should be able to overcome it. Letting, letting go of arrogance and thinking, oh, you should get over it. Humility is a huge gift in uh, being humbled in suffering. So, as I say, we can go on and on, and there it is, right there. What you could read about and or hear and be inspired by, it's so different to go from the mind to the heart. Actually, it was, uh, I said, that in, said this in uh, uh, the group this morning. Um, Jane and I have gone to visit Ramdas uh, a, a few times in the last few years. Ramdas was a, a main... Uh, teacher of mine, and, and really, uh, Be Here Now, his book changed my life many years ago, and I've, and I've been fortunate enough to have a relationship with him over these years, really was a, a mentor, has been a mentor for me. And uh, he doesn't speak all that much now since he had it, uh, or he speaks slowly and uh, economically uh, since a major stroke about 20 years ago. But uh, last year we were we were visiting him and talking about some issue and we both had uh, our own takes on this issue and uh, he looked back at each of us and he said, you know, it's all about going from here to here. I said, wow, okay, that was worth the trip. Uh, just think about that. Or not, not only think about that, do it. Put your hand over here. All the thoughts, all the spinning, all the, the figuring out, the problem solving, how do I get out of this or whatever, all that mind stuff, and now just move into your heart. Feel the difference. One more time. From here to here. That's what we're 
in one way learning to do. And of course, I really want to honor the wisdom of seeing clearly, but mostly often in our head when we try to figure out, it just complicates things. And much of the, so much of the time, the wisdom is right here in the truth that we can feel. So I wanted to share with you a, a couple of um, practical um, techniques for opening to our pain and our suffering. One that I mentioned in the, um, in the instructions today that a number of you are familiar with, but I wanted to lead you through it in real time, uh, and that is opening up to the difficult emotions that come up. Jane taught the self-compassion, the mindful self-compassion the other day, which is a very powerful way to hold all the difficult stuff when it's really hard to just be mindful of it. But the, the primary strategy is using mindfulness or heartfulness, one can say, if that's a word that resonates better for you, holding it with a very clear understanding. And the acronym that you can remember, a number of you are familiar with this, is the word RAIN that describes the process of holding our pain. RAIN. R stands for recognize what am I feeling right now. A is allow it to be here or accept. I like allow. Allow it to be here, just giving it permission to be here. I stands for investigate. Bring an interest to feel what you're feeling. That is not analyzing or problem solving or trying to understand why this is here, but a direct feeling of the mind state or the emotion with interest, and N stands for non-identification, which is just a fancy way of saying not taking it personally. That you are just experiencing part of the human condition, and you don't have to take ownership of it, it doesn't have to define who you are. So given that, now I want to go from here to here in real time. So I'd like you to just put down your, uh, your pens or writing, and we'll just take a little bit of a, a guided practice on this. And if you've done it before, great. Here's another chance to practice it again. So you might bring to mind some situation or issue uh, or relationship that touches off some strong feelings. And it can be um, positive or negative in general, this is just feeling your feelings, but for the purposes of this, of opening up to the, to the challenging stuff, to the hard stuff, pick, pick a challenging situation. Maybe not the most intense if it, if it still activates some uh, some major trauma, but just something that's that's hard to uh, that comes up that you get stuck on from time to time. 
and bring this into your consciousness and um, just let it be here so you get in touch with the feeling. And now we'll go through this process, this rain, this mindfully holding our experience together. First, recognize what am I feeling right now? What would you name this feeling? Sadness, anger, hurt, loneliness, whatever it is. Just name it in a very kind, clear way. Oh, this is what it is. And now, allow it to be here. That is, give permission, no agenda, to get rid of it. Here's your chance to become familiar, connected with something, an old familiar friend in a very wise way. So just allow it to be here, just for the next minute or so, this will be. And now investigate, feel the landscape of this feeling. Where do you feel it in your body, in your belly, in your chest, in your throat, someplace else? How do you know you're feeling this? And notice, just become curious and interested. No agenda, but just letting yourself explore the landscape of this feeling. There might be tightness, there might be heaviness, it might be agitated in there, it might be big or tiny. Just check it out. Notice if the sensations stay just the same or they change one moment to another. Whatever is going on is okay. You might notice what it's like in the mind. Not the story so much, but just the general atmosphere. Is it heavy? Is it tight? Is it agitated? Is it open? Is it calm? Is it light? And just check it out. Let it be just the way it is. If it's a lot and you're starting to feel like the system is at max, then you can also put your hand on your heart as you do this and just um, hold it in that way as well. You might come back now to what's going on in the body. Maybe it's like it was, maybe it's changed, whatever is okay. And now the N is non-identification. Remember, not taking it personally. This is just part of being human. Like that mindful self-compassion line. 
This is suffering. Suffering is a part of life. And you might think of all the people in the world that are experiencing this. We all know what it's like to feel lonely or scared or whatever. And there's an awareness that can hold this. Tune into the awareness that is holding this difficult feeling. And at any time, including now, just come back and get grounded in your body and just know that you're sitting here breathing. So you can just take a little break. Here you are sitting, breathing, feeling this feeling. Okay, and now, before we end this, just a few moments of compassion. May I hold my suffering with kindness and compassion. Okay, and now if you'd like, you can open your eyes. How many people could feel it somewhere in their body? Okay, now, I won't ask who enjoyed it, but how many people found it interesting to explore? It can be interesting, even if it's something painful. Anybody notice uh, that it uh, changed? And often it will change and it can go from, there can be anger, Oh no, and then there's hurt. Oh, and then there's sadness. Oh, and then there's calm. And then there's, it's much more fluid than we think. Now, sometimes when you pay attention and you're not adding on resistance, um, it seems to diminish. How many people notice that it diminished a bit? Okay. If it didn't, that's okay. No agenda. But often when you're not feeding it, usually when we have a difficult feeling and we want to get rid of it, of course. How do I get rid of it? And the more you try to push it away, what happens? The more life you give it. But if you're saying, let's check it out, you can't be adding on that agenda of getting rid of while you're trying to be closer to it. So you're not feeding it with that resistance. But you can't, pay attention in order to get rid of it. Can't trick it, it knows. <clears throat> you have to really be willing to open up and let yourself feel it, just for a little while, not to think, okay, I'm gonna slay this dragon or one of us is gonna come out alive. No, no, no. You just a little at a time, what I call titrating our dukkha, just a little at a time, you touch it, okay, for the next half minute, let's feel this. And then you can back off and feel your body or your breath or open up to sounds and then touch it a little more at a time. That is changing your relationship to this 
monster that seems overwhelming and seeing, oh, it's just part of being human. That's how suffering turns into compassion. <clears throat> Any question or comment about that before we go on? Okay, when you have a strong emotion, there are usually one of three things happening. There's a story, why did she do that? I can't believe it. Or here I am again, I've been practicing for 10 years and I'm stuck in this same place. I can't believe it, right? Some story in the mind, there's a feeling, a mental atmosphere, and there's a feeling in the body. Where do you think we stay with it when we get caught? Up in the story, and you keep on hitting that replay button, it keeps on coming out the same way. But if you go deeper to actually feeling what it's like, and you're holding it with a kind awareness, that transforms your relationship to it. So this is something uh, I just wanted to share with you. There's a number of things that, that, we, could, that we could do, the self-compassion, the loving kindness, Knowing what your limits are is also very important. You know? So you don't have to go in more than you need to on the cushion, or if you're here in the, in the retreat, you might need to go for a walk. You might need a cup of tea. You might need to lie down. You might need some loving kindness. Listen to yourself and see, what do I need right now to either hold this or to, to come back to myself. <clears throat> so I'll, I'll just, uh, yeah. Um, so I have a habit of um, when something difficult happens to sort of dissociate or, mm. what's the, and when we were doing this just now, I felt the sensation and then poof it went away. Or, and I, I wasn't sure if it, Mm, okay, got it. So she has a habit sometimes of dissociating when, when there's strong feelings that come up. But, and she just did this, and she started to get in touch with it and look at it and explore it, and poof, it just disappeared. And was she dissociating with that? Anybody else have that experience? They started to look at it, and where did it go to? Okay. You're not dissociating. You're just not feeding the story. Doesn't always happen that way, but very often when you are not feeding the whole story, you see how short-lived, how ephemeral these feelings are. Actually, is in some study in, in, uh, in recent times, research study, um, that emotions if you don't keep on messing with them and get into the story, most emotions have a lifespan of about 90 seconds. If you know, it's like the Dalai Lama letting that move through. If you're not struggling, if you can somehow learn to feel and process, not that you've got an agenda on this, but just allow, oh yes, and this is part of being human. You know, don't, don't take that as a gospel rule and say, oh my goodness, I'm here for a hundred seconds now. I must be, you know, messing up, you know. But 
if you can bring a very kind awareness, you're not feeding it. And emotions are so much more fluid than we think. Or we have an emotion, we say, oh, I'm, um, I'm angry, but really there's a whole constellation of emotions that are, that are happening there. And if we don't label it, oh, this is what I'm feeling, and we know, I know I'm going to be angry for the next five hours, you know, but rather, oh, let's just check it out. It's uh, much more fluid than that. Okay? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Okay. Um, There's a, quickly. Okay. Go ahead. Emotions that are buried with time. Yes, uh, thank you. There are some places of deep hurt and trauma uh, that can't just be um, unearthed or, um, or um, resolved in, uh, in, in a few moments of, of, of mindfulness. And that's a whole other uh, thing to honor and appreciate. Don't go looking and, and uncovering and trying to, um, to resolve it all at once. If you feel that there's some deep wounding inside and the body has been activated and gets activated, then there's some, some more work to be done with support of, of others. Uh, somatic experiencing is a wonderful modality. Uh, for trauma, EMDR is another good modality, um, but it's you really need to honor that and not think, oh, I'm still stuck in this, uh, and why? Because the body can get um, can store that trauma, uh, but if it's a particular kind of a just a a story, one of the the, the top ten tunes that's that's triggering off these these feelings, then you might just um, first try the, the, the mindful approach and otherwise just holding it with, with great, great uh, tenderness and honor and, and getting some support for that. Okay, one last one and then we'll um, move on. If, if the story involves something I did that I'm ashamed of, okay. I have a really hard time. Okay, if the story involves something that that one did, that there's shame, have some hard time uh, getting, um, getting it resolved. Okay, thank you, because that's going to lead into the next piece. I was, I was wondering how I was going to segue into that. <laughs> so, thank you very much. It's one thing to have external suffering. Oh, so-and-so um, has gotten sick, or or uh, has died, a loved one has died. It's a whole other thing when the suffering is internal and we are carrying around guilt or shame. And that's where I want to get to doing some forgiveness as well. And uh, first, before I, I do that, uh, get into the forgiveness, I want to uh, talk a little bit about integrity as a source of well-being and happiness. The Buddha uh, called, called this the bliss of blamelessness. He said when we are completely aligned with our values 
and we act with integrity, there's a feeling of openness and it's a foundation for inner peace. If you're familiar, oh, um, uh, Howie might be talking somewhat on it tonight. There's a, three pillars. The Eightfold Path is spoken of as sila, samadhi, and panya. Sila being leading a life of integrity as a foundation for samadhi, for training the mind and the heart, and panya developing of um, the wise heart, wisdom, and, and, and compassion. And he said, if you want to come to inner peace, then act with integrity. And he says, for one who leads a virtuous life, it is a natural law that remorse will not arise. For one free of remorse, it is a natural law that gladness will arise. For one who is glad at heart, it is a natural law that joy will arise. And it goes on and on and on. So that's the good news. That every time you act with integrity, there's a sense of ease and openness and nothing to hide. The bliss of blamelessness. Okay? And in one discourse, he says, um, there are different kinds of happiness. There's the happiness of, he, calls, he talks about four different happinesses. There's the happiness that comes when you are free of debt. Very practical. Happiness that comes when you have uh, enough good fortune that you can take care of your loved ones and those close to you. Happiness that comes when you are so, so, have so much fortune that you can be generous with others even outside of your circle. And then there's the happiness that comes from the bliss of blamelessness, from not causing harm and feeling a complete alignment with integrity. And he says, compared to the bliss of blamelessness, those first three aren't one-sixteenth as powerful a source of joy. I don't know how he figured that out, <laughs> but that's what it says right in the discourse. It's something to keep in mind, you know, no matter how, what your good fortune, if you're troubled by something inside, uh, you can't really um, completely enjoy it. But, as we all know, um, many of us aren't fully enlightened and sometimes make mistakes and um, cause suffering to ourselves or to others. And there's a kind of um, healing that needs to happen. So I wanted to talk a little bit and maybe guide you through some forgiveness. Mm. First of all, um, for guilt, <clears throat> which I, I was saying in, in the group today, I am somewhat of an authority on guilt as you can imagine seeing my, my Jewish mother uh, the other day. Uh, and I have seen for myself, it is just a self-perpetuating punishment. You just, you don't feel uh, good, you feel like you've done something bad, and then you just keep on remembering it and, and punishing yourself 
uh, because you deserve it. Or you go ahead and do something else that's stupid that confirms what a jerk you are. You know, that, the mind can work like that too. The Buddha talked about wise remorse where instead of beating yourself up, he said, keep on learning from your mistakes. Whereas this one uh, inspiring person, Julia Butterfly Hill says, as long as you're learning, there's no mistakes. So you reflect on what you've done, see, let yourself feel the pain in that, but make a commitment to do something, to do it differently in the future. Then there's nothing that's wasted and you can even dedicate the, the new way to your own well-being and per, perhaps even the one who might have been harmed. May, may the merit of my skillful action from now on be shared with so-and-so. <clears throat> But when you look back, if you are cringing, you know that feeling? You know, oh God, I can't believe I did that. On my first loving kindness retreat, I, you're, you're saying, may I be happy, may I be peaceful. And it's very common that you think of all the awful things that you've done in your life. I thought of 17 really bad things on my first loving kindness retreat. I was so fortunate, I said, let me think of the 20 awful things, and I only got up to 17. That was just a lucky number, okay. But when you look back on it and you cringe, it means you're no longer that person. Don't miss that. You're no longer the person who acted so unconsciously. And if you can commit to doing it differently in the future, what a gift that has been. So what I first want to do is a little bit of uh, healing from the past. And uh, maybe at this point, just put down your, uh, your pens and, and writing. And I'd like you to um, think of a, an incident or a situation that you might still have some regret or feel guilty about or that comes up every now and then and, and snags you. And as you recall the situation, notice if there was fear or confusion or what was going on inside of you that motivated you to speak or act as you did. Just get in touch with your mind state we do things that cause harm either because we're confused or scared or lost. Just remember what was going on in your mind.
And now, imagine that another person had done this. Imagine it was a friend who in their own confusion hurt somebody else. and was plagued by that lack of consciousness. Could you understand and feel compassion for them? And that they were beating themselves up mercilessly. Because they so regret what happened? How would you feel towards them? What would you want them to know? Now, imagine yourself as the wise, kind being who understands how confusion and fear led to your actions and see if it's possible to forgive yourself. You just didn't see clearly. And perhaps imagine the whoever was on the receiving end in front of you and sincerely apologizing in your heart. I am so sorry. I truly am sorry. And imagine that other person can really feel your sincerity. I hope perhaps sometime you can forgive me. Not demanding it from them or asking, but just sincerely being vulnerable. I am so sorry. And imagine them getting it. And now reflect on what you've learned from this situation and how you might act differently in a similar situation in the future. And make a deliberate commitment to act more skillfully so that this situation was not wasted. And you can dedicate the, the wholesomeness that can come from the, in the future to yourself and to the welfare of the, the other one.
to, if you can get in touch with even just a little bit of understanding, all it takes is a moment of understanding, compassionate understanding for the heart to open. And if you got a glimpse of it, keep on working with that. And if you didn't, then just be right where you are. Forgive yourself for being right where you are. So now we can extend forgiveness as well. Because that's another real uh, bonus from getting in touch with our own foibles and sorrows. We see how we get confused and the more we can see how we get lost, the more we can understand how others can as well. So we can just do a little extending forgiveness now as well. So I invite you maybe to close your eyes and perhaps bring to mind someone who uh, has hurt you in some way. And again, you don't have to take the most intense thing and if there's still some trauma to be worked out, then, um, um, then don't go there. But just somebody who uh, it's been difficult and uh, you had a falling out or whatever, or somebody, a co-worker might have said something difficult. To, where there's still some stuff, some charge between you. And bring them to mind, bring the situation to mind. And as you re recall, see if you can get in touch with or imagine what might have been going through that other person's mind or heart. Were they confused? Were they oblivious? Were they scared or tired or activated? led them to speak or act the way they did. Just a moment, just imagine being Kuan Yin and understanding the confusion that would let it lead somebody to act in a hurtful way or unskillful way. And as you just reflected on your own confusion, bring that same compassionate understanding to them. And from the wisest, kindest, compassionate place inside, see if it's possible to extend forgiveness in whatever way there was hurt or upset. I forgive you. I forgive your confusion. Notice how it feels if it's available to just generously offer 
your compassionate understanding. I forgive you. It doesn't mean you have to be their best friend anymore or that you have to be around them if they get lost in those unskillful patterns, but just to open your heart so that you're not contracted in, in the bitterness. And again, you might just put your hand on your heart as a, a way to both comfort yourself and bring that tender attitude right to your body. We're the beneficiaries of our forgiveness. And this is an ongoing way to open the heart and to be not at the mercy of our stories, but to go from the head right to the heart. Okay. <clears throat> okay, yes. Uh -huh. It's great. It's great to see. Uh, and you might not be ready to let go. Yeah. Just forgive yourself for being right where you are. But know that your holding on is your suffering. You might, it might feel good to be self-righteous. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually a very... Um, contracted state. They might be on a beach in Kauai having a great time and you're like that. Um, as the Buddha says, uh, holding on to anger or self-righteousness, he didn't say self-righteousness, but it's the same thing, is like taking a hot coal and wanting to throw it at, a, at somebody else and not realizing you're the one that's getting burned. Or another, another metaphor, drinking poison and hoping the other person is going to get sick. You know? So you can be righteous, you can be right, and just notice if there's true well-being and opening of the heart. And when you're ready to, you know, then you will, but otherwise, just be right where you are. Yeah, Kate? I really like that quote that as long as you're learning, make no mistakes. Say again? Mm. But it was hard uh, also to think of how I could honor someone that I hurt without taking that break. How you can honor someone that you hurt. Well, if you can make amends, then, then that's a helpful thing to do. Um, but we have, we come together, we have karmic work to do, and how you can honor somebody is from that, from learning your mistake and doing it a different way. 
you create a lot of good karma. And whether or not you believe in, in it, you can share the merit of your good karma for that person's well-being. May any, uh, now any wisdom and any kindness and any compassion that I bring into my life, may the goodness of that be shared with that person. It's one way to do it. Yeah. Yes, all the way in the back. Real loud. You had your hand up in the purple? Yes. Oh, Diane. Yeah. There's a story in the mind. There's a feeling, a mental atmosphere, a mood in the mind, and there's uh, the physical expression in the body. So they're all happening at the same time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Until it's like that final step, forgiveness. And then it's like, I just shut down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she, she, get, she has the whole idea here and, and can get into it until it's then forgiveness. And then she shuts down. There's that magic leap. And you can't pretend you're any place other than where you are. However, here's just a little way to maybe bridge that that gap. If you wish that you could forgive, mm-hmm. is there a place that you wish you could forgive? Yeah. Okay, that's a start. Get in touch with the fact that you wish you could forgive. There's something wholesome in that. You're just not quite ready to make that leap. And so just be with that intention and hang out there and be right where you are and forgive yourself for being not quite ready and have that, plant that seed. In time it might happen. Okay, there was one last and then, we'll, then we have to take a quick stretch for a short uh, sit. So if you, you have no choice but to keep seeing an unskillful person. That's tricky, yeah. Now, as the Dalai Lama says, if you've come out with as much good energy as you can and there's still negativity coming towards you, that's the time, if you can, to find the nearest exit. Um, <laughs> and if you can't find the exit, it's the time to have really healthy boundaries and just know what your limits are and protect yourself It doesn't mean you have to be nasty back. You can have compassion for their own confusion and pain. Imagine what it's like to be living in that mind if somebody is nasty all the time. I wouldn't want to be in that mind. So you can have compassion, but protect yourself and do what you can to to have healthy boundaries on it. Okay, we should uh, take a quick stretch, and I I went way over time, so uh, just coming, uh, you might just stretch for a few moments and, uh, and then we'll have uh, one last sitting before tea.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.